Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The reality is drinking water is the least efficient way to hydrate the skin. Hello, Glamgelinos. It's Kirby. And Sarah, as you guys know, had her little baby Zoe, and she is on mat leave. And because Zoe was early, we didn't get to bank as many of the episodes as we had planned. So I sent Sarah a little text and I said, Can we get one of our favorite people to guest host this week's episode? on Tuesday. And of course, Sarah said yes. So we have none other than Renee Rouleau as our guest host this week. Welcome, Renee. Hi, Kirby and all Los Angeles listeners. (laughs) Oh my God, I love you. I miss you so much. I feel like this is the longest I've gone without seeing you. For sure. It has been. I miss everyone. Instagram stories and Instagram just doesn't cut it. Well, I feel like you have just been doing as much as you possibly can. Like you went on some type of survival retreat and learned (laughs) how to like make a campfire out of sticks. Yeah. Well, I just thought, well, you know, 2020 has proven that the world is just an unpredictable place. So I took a Uh, outside of Austin last weekend, a two-day urban survival and disaster preparedness course. What do they teach you there? Well, a lot of it is, you know, urban survival because I live in downtown Austin. It's just basically kind of telling you what you need, how to be prepared for things. And I think kind of, you know, for your listeners, you know, I'll, I'll share a few takeaways that could be helpful for everyone. But I think, you know, food and water is really important. But I think what we realized with the pandemic was everybody kind of panicked and then there were long lines at the grocery store and all of that. And so you always want to get ahead of that. So that's why you should kind of stockpile and have that stuff ahead of it. So when everybody's standing in line, you're at home feasting on your own stuff. Um, but yeah, food, water, um, you know, shelter, always have a full tank of gas because if you need it, get out and leave your environment and gas station, there's no more gas, you know, you can actually have freedom. Um, yeah, that I, you know, we did learn some wilderness things, how to make a fire out of cotton balls and petroleum jelly. So there's a beauty product. Well, I mean, I I mean, I guess in theory, it's a beauty product. I wouldn't use it, but on my face or I suppose maybe people put it on like their feet and put socks on or something, but, but yeah, so petroleum jelly and cotton balls to make a fire. And yeah, it was great. Wow. I want you on my side when the world ends. The gas thing is so funny because it's like from your lips to my dad's ears, he literally is like, why don't you have a half a tank of gas at all times? Like, especially when I was a teenager, I would let it get to like empty, empty, still to this day, sometimes I'll let it get to empty, empty, empty. And my parents were like, are you kidding me? Way to give us (laughs) cardiac arrests, like (laughs) protect yourself. I'm so glad that you're here because we got so many questions and... And, you know, I think some of these questions are relevant to everyone, 
and what's happening right now, but a lot of them are specific, which I'm really excited about because you do really great with specifics. Like if I'm like, why is there this white thing that hangs out right here behind my ear? You're like, oh, well that could probably be from blah, 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 blah. So I feel like these are little mini consultations <laughs> of sorts. So I'm super excited about it. I adore you. And for those of you that don't know Renee, I, you probably are new here then because we talk about her all the freaking time. <laughs> she's like the one woman that I trust with my skin. Um, and she's the reason why I know I have melasma. If you know me, I talk about melasma religiously. And the person that told me I had it was Renee back when I was 25 years old. So we've been friends and companions for a while now. And obeying Renee ever since. Obeying Renee. So, wait, so that would be 25, 25. So, so what year would that be? We can have like the... Oh my Obeying God. Renee since 2000 or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, how old am I even now? 33? So what? I Like eight years? What was eight years ago? 2012? Yeah. Oh my God. It was. It was like right when yeah. I started at Pop Sugar. Crazy. Yeah. So Renee, let's just hop right in. This is a question that was sent on Instagram from our listener, Hannah. She wants to know your thoughts on things like jade rollers or the rollers that you see people promoting on Instagram. And then she also threw in light therapy. So what are your general thoughts on those? Yeah. So jade rollers, you know, they can if you massage them over the face, they can kind of potentially remove some puffiness, but I would say it's, it's cause it kind of boosts circulation and it kind of just gets movement going. But I would say it's puffiness. That's like not normally there. Right. It's, it's so it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of like under eye puffiness, right. It, the, the kind that you get in the morning that by noon is gone, you know, it could help kind of move that out quicker, but like, it's not going to, like in the case of under eyes, like if you have under eye bags that are there 24 seven, it's not going to do anything for that. So same with like puffiness in the face. Like if you're always feeling kind of puffy or bloated or whatever, um, it's really for stuff that's kind of temporary. So maybe you ate like Chinese food the night before and you know, something like that. So it can help with circulation and puffiness. Um, I, I don't think it's anything magical, right? It's not anything earth shattering as far as the results, but they feel good. Um, as far as light therapy goes, you know, it's, uh, I think for, there's other devices that if you use regularly, you're going to see a difference. And with the light therapy, I don't, I've just never, people say they love it. I have estheticians that promote it and they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. But when I really ask people like what they notice, you know, like no one really can say anything. So it's kind of like, Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's probably people out there that are like, oh no, you know, I noticed something um, and I trust that that's the case. But I always say light therapy, I think of it as like eating broccoli, which is basically like, you know, you eat broccoli because you know it has, you know, good vitamins in, you know, in it for you, but you're not going to like all of a sudden see your skin glow because you eat broccoli, right? So like, so I think totally, I think with light therapy, the research shows that it helps the greater good, but I think, you know, I, I, most people just aren't going to see that much of a change. So my takeaways from you saying that are jade rollers, like, and, and surprisingly, I get asked a lot about jade rollers, Renee. Mm -hmm. People are always like, well, what do you think? Should I buy this? And for me personally, I'm like, well, what are you, what are your expectations for it? Like, are they promoting it as a way to lift your face? Because I'm now starting to see a lot of accounts on Instagram saying that jade rollers can help lift your skin. And I'm like, 
it's literally impossible. That's not what's happening. Maybe if you're laying down, <laughs> you're like really like trying to get the gravity going upwards. It, you could have a very temporary lift, but it's not something that's gonna help you long-term. It really is just for depuffing those like temporary bags and def you know temporary puffiness and then with the light therapy sure like like the greater good is awesome but don't expect to like walk away seeing like this magic change to your skin right okay. right because it's okay. not like i mean things that make changes are things you're looking to improve so like you know lightening discoloration you know from melasma or like making pores look smaller and you know there's a lot of treatments that you can have professionally or even at, actually at home that you can get immediate results from that you'll see a difference after 10 minutes of using something or whatever but light therapy whether it's a home device or even a professional you know device um, or treatment just I'm, I'm not seeing that you're going to really see a big change all right Susanna from Instagram wants to know if you can help with acne scars. She has redness and um, it feels like it's impossible to get rid of it. So when somebody comes to you and says, I have facial you know, acne scarring in terms of like pigmentation, what do you suggest? This is kind of a, a longer story and I'll make it as short as possible, but I think I wanna make this first point because this is really where the magic is. Um, like, you know, I can say, oh, we'll put this product on and it will go away. And, and I certainly have a product that does that. But I think the bigger issue that everyone needs to think about is I like to use the word control. And we very much like to control everything that happens with our skin, right? We want it to look perfect and flawless all the time. And we're trying to control it by doing things and trying to help our skin look great. In the case of acne and blushes, that's one thing we really don't have control over. Because the reality is, is if there was a magic cure that would make none of us ever break out again, we would all know about it, right? Like, I mean, it's just, you know, trust me, word would get around mm -hmm. fast if there was something that stopped acne forever. The challenge is, is that there are so many different types of acne, you know, you know, most acne is fueled by um, hormones and, you know, age and all sorts of different factors. And we just can't make someone never break out again. I mean, we can't wave a magic wand and never have a blemish again. But going back to the word control, we do have control what happens to, you know, when we actually get the blemish, right? All of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you have a blemish. Now, now you have control. And the goal is to make it go away as quickly as possible with the least amount of scarring. So the more, you know, a blemish is an injury on the skin and an injury sets off a yep. melanin response, which creates pigmentation, which is what the question is in the first place. How do I get rid of the discoloration? The, the more injury, the greater the injury and the longer the blemish lasts is going to determine um, how long the, the discolored mark will last. So again, the goal is we want it to go away as quickly as possible with the least amount of scarring. Okay. So when it comes to blemishes, there's a life cycle to a blemish. So, hey, I feel a red bump coming up. It's a little sore. Then one or two things are going to happen. It's either going to go back. It's going to hang out and be sore for a little while and then eventually go back down under. If it's more cystic, your body reabsorbs the infection or it will come to the surface into a little whitehead, right? So it's either going to go down or come out through the surface. When it, when it goes down, the goal, you know, if it's cystic, we want to make it go away as fast as possible. So like, I'm sure a lot of the, your um, listeners know my anti-bump solution. That's really good for those 
background ones. But if it does come to the surface, you know, that, that whitehead is coming out to the surface. And you don't want to use anything on the skin that's going to prevent that whitehead from coming out because that's the mother nature's healing process. Okay. So the mistake that people make is they'll get a blemish. And if that whitehead, that infection wants to come out, they'll dry it out on the surface with something really, really drying. And this whitehead is moving its way up through the pore. And now it wants to come out because it's saying, Hey, you know, I have infection and I want to heal myself and I want to come out the surface of the skin because this is the flow. But if it's trapped in there, because now you've over dried the skin with these really strong spot treatments, then this infection is stuck under the skin and it's going, Hey, uh, wait a minute here. Like I can't get out because now you, I've got this trap door on top. And so I'm just going to sit here. So the infection sits under the skin, creates more trauma because when that, um, when that pore lining is stretched, that's setting off a melanin response, which creates pigmentation. Mm. And basically the blemish is sitting there longer. But then when you also dried out the skin, you're disrupting all the, um, the surface layers of the skin and drying them out and causing irritation, things like that. Then what people do is, you know, now after a couple of days, they're spot treating, spot treating, and the skin's getting crusty on the surface because they've dried it all out. But they see that there's, there's still the infection under there. Like, oh, I can see a whitehead. So then they go to squeeze it. Well, it's really hard because that infection doesn't have an avenue to get out because it's stuck under all this like crusty, you know, dead skin. Yes, so they yes. try to squeeze it. So now it's, it's, a, it's really hard to get out. They're peeling as they're squeezing, layers and layers of skin is shedding off. Eventually they can get it, by, but by this time they're bleeding and the skin's, you know, the, you know, all the skin is coming off. And so there's so much trauma taking place. So if you don't follow mother nature's flow and you do it the way that most people do, which is just dry it out the minute you get it, you are making that blemish last longer. So what you should do is if it is one that's going to come up to the surface, you should just literally sit on your hands and not do anything. Just let it run its course because your body, as long as you don't have like an immune deficiency order, your body is always healing itself. When there's an injury, your body is, you know, if, it could, if your skin could talk and say, don't worry, Kirby, I got this. Like, I got you. I'm, you know, don't, you don't need to mess with what, what, what I need to do to heal myself. So let that infection come out. And then, you know, gently extract it, you know, when it hits the surface, if you don't want a whitehead. But then once that infection is released, then you can then put on drying spot treatment because that will kind of close it up. It will grab onto any remaining infection and help kind of dry that out and then, you know, close everything up and then dry it out and then make it go away fast. And so if you do it that way, then the scar is not going to be as bad. It's just that people, they want to try to make something go away, but they don't realize they're making it worse. So uh, shameless plug. Well, I have a great blog post on this on my blog. It's called How to Get Rid of a Blemish Fast. So people can look that up. But I designed my Zip Care Kit, which is four products, and they address all the different life stages of the blemish to make it go away as fast as possible with the least amount of scarring, including the post-breakout fading gel, which is used at the end once it's all said and done to make it go away. But it also has a lancet in it so that you can, at the time when you do want to extract, you can pierce the skin and it gives it a little hole to come out because, you know, if you are, if you're, it, even if it is on the, the infection is on the surface of the skin, if you're squeezing it five, six, seven times, you're damaging the skin. So you just want to pierce it with a little sterile lancet and it should pop out, you know, after, you know, two tries and then like super uneventful. So 
the Renee Rouleau Zip Care Kit is what I finally came out with, I think about two years ago, and has step-by-step instructions on how to use everything. And it's probably one of the best investments people will make because people get so frustrated with post-breakout marks because they last, they could last for three months, even longer. So, so, but, but the short answer is to get rid of a post-breakout mark, you want to use a vitamin C serum. That's really good for suppressing melanin. You want to be exfoliating, not over, you know, not too much, but exfoliating acids, a gentle facial scrub um, will lift off, uh, lift off discolored cells. And then you also want to be wearing sunscreen because any UV light that gets on the skin, even if it's in December on a cold day, anytime UV light touches the skin, it keeps melanin cells awake. And we're trying to make those go to sleep. So sunscreen is a really important part of making uh, discoloration fade faster. I'm so glad you explained that because I feel like, uh, you know, when I was younger, my go-to when it came to breakouts was just to completely dry out my skin. Sure. I felt like, because especially with marketing, you know, you're told that oil and clogged pores is is what is causing your breakouts, right? So when you're young and you're only getting information from, you know, commercials and things like that, I'm like, oh, okay, well then I need to have like a, a drying face wash. I need to have like a really drying toner. I need to have like a very light moisturizer. And then I need to spot treat the hell out of my face. Right. And, you know, right. even myself, who I think I, I'm very educated when it comes to how, to how to take care of my skin because of women like you. I mean, I had a, a under the skin pimple a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then I realized it was because I had, you know, I was trying some different products and it had ended up drying out my chin to the point that there was like skin buildup. So... I mean, like I kept on trying to, I, I could see it. Like you said, I could see there was stuff underneath. I'm like, why the hell is this not coming out? Right. And then I just happened to have one of your kits that I've like stockpiled and I got out the little mm-hmm. finger condoms and, yep. <laughs> and the Lancet and I bought the Lancets because you've sent it to me before. I bought the Lancets off of like Amazon in bulk. Like they're for like diabetics or something yep. where you like prick your finger. Yeah, they're for diabetics for piercing. I mean, uh, yeah, doing the finger. My mom was like, I have this, but I did that. And luckily stuff came out, but this is something I actually wanted to ask you personally. I've had some people tell me and by people, I mean, experts say that, you know, that a, a pimple is fully extracted when it starts to bleed. Is that true or is that actually causing trauma? It's normal. It can be normal for it to bleed and only because the infection, there's infection and then there's little, you know, capillaries that it's pushing up against. And anytime you squeeze, if, if depending on the position of the capillary, there can be, if it's squished, then it's kind of compromised and then you squeeze and you can break a little capillary. Okay. But, but I wouldn't say... I have heard that before. I, I don't think that's a hard and fast rule. I think I, you know sometimes you can sometimes you can just okay. get out clear liquid and not it bleeding. So I don't. I mean, certainly you know as an esthetician for thirty years, I've squeezed you know a million zits, but mm. I I don't I don't think that's real black and white that way. I love that 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 answer. I was writing notes. Um, you saw me obviously through Zoom, and I have the title of this episode, which is going to be the life cycle of a blemish with Rene Rouleau. Well, and I mean, here's the thing, like I, to this day, whether it's, I mean, any skincare professional, whatever, nobody is talking about this. Yeah. Like nobody, like I never hear anybody explain to anybody how to care for a blemish. They'll say, Hey, use this product. But like, again, you know, what the blemish needs, the moment it appears when it's still under the skin to the scar left over at the end. I mean, 
there's a lot that happens in between and you know, it's, it's, and so that's why like one spot treatment is not enough because depending on the stage of where it's at, you know, like you have to kind of customize it. So yeah, I mean, this is, I, I always am preaching this whole life cycle thing and because also I like describing it because it makes sense for people. Then people go, Oh yeah. And so once it makes sense and it's logical, then people are like, okay, yeah. So, but people, but nobody just ex explains it. So that's the problem. I, I love that explanation. It's so helpful. Next up, let's talk about keratosis polaris. This is from Lily. Mm -hmm. And she just says, hey, I have keratosis polaris. What are some products and ingredients that I should be looking for and what should I stay away from? Well, okay, you would want to stay away. So for those of you who don't know, keratosis polaris is a condition. I think it's genetic. Um, people get it. I mean, babies, little infants can get it on their lower cheeks and people kind of typically outgrow it um, on the face uh, as they get older. But but where it's real common, um, even for adults, is on the back of the legs. A lot of times it's where friction is uh, or, you know, when pants rub against you, but people can get it on the back of their arms. I get it, I get it on the back of my arms. And um, it's basically just little trapped hairs in the hair follicle and the skin gets keratinized and, you know, builds up kind of of hardened skin over it and it results in little bumps that just feel rough to the touch. So it's all about managing it. You know, you can't get rid of it per se, but you can definitely improve it by, you know, easily 80%. Um, and the key is two things. One is um, using chemical exfoliants. So that might be like an amlactin body lotion. If you've ever heard of amlactin, right? I was going to say. In my line, we have our smoothing body serum, but anything that has exfoliating acids is going to get deeper into the skin than a, uh, than a, than a scrub will. And it basically works to kind of dissolve the, the hardened skin and uh, really shed a lot of those, uh, that those trapped follicles. In addition, you definitely have to use a physical exfoliator. So I like a good, if someone just wants a, D a DIY for the back of their arms, you can get like Epsom salts, mix it in a bowl with some, you know, maybe sweet almond oil, throw in a couple essential oils if you'd like, um, just to make it smell nice. Um, but you need something that's pretty gritty and tough. So like some loofahs are just so delicate, they don't really do that much. So you need something that is pretty aggressive. And the reality is the back of the legs, back of the arms can, can handle that. So, so a good body scrub is really important. And then, um, keeping the skin moist with body lotion is good. So I would probably say, you know, twice a week use an exfoliating acid, whether it's the amlactin body lotion or, um, some sort of exfoliator and then not on the same day, but, Another twice a week, use the physical exfoliator, but then always keep body lotion on when you get out of the shower. And you like scrubs in general, like for your face. You're Love not scrubs. like- Oh yeah, for the face too. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. Anybody who has discoloration, whether it's melasma, whether it's you know sunspots, whether it's post breakout marks, chemical exfoliants, which are usually the go-to, um, they do work to dissolve pigment cells, but they're dissolving the cells and you need something that physically gets lifted off the skin. So anytime you use a facial scrub, if you use a good one that's, I mean, not too aggressive, but one that definitely does something, you, you can notice a difference immediately with pigmentation looking brighter. So 
it's really um, a two-phase approach, dissolving the dead cells and lifting them off. And that's also important for keratosis pilaris as well. Okay, this is from our Facebook group. We have a thriving Los Angeles Facebook group. We sure do. And this is from Casey. And she says, how do you define these skin concerns? Her question was a little bit more padded, but I wanted to get to the meat of it. She says that like when she's shopping for specific products and she's trying to shop based on skin issue, she gets confused about what a certain skin type or texture or um, ailment is like defined as. In this case, she wanted to know like what if somebody says, okay, this product's going to help you with texture. What is texture? What are, what are you referring to? So I've, I would say I've only heard the word texture probably more so in the past like three years. I think I hear that phrase more, but it's a newer phrase that was never around 10 years ago for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, people would be like, oh, my skin's texture, but now texture is kind of used. Some people use it to reference. I mean, I don't know what the official, what people officially mean, but I think it's like the skin is bumpy, rough to the touch, doesn't look smooth, pores look large, you know, just things. I mean, everybody wants glass skin and yeah. So I think it's just really like smoothing and making pores look smaller. I mean, I don't know. What is your definition of it? Is that what you think of it is? I mean, yeah. I When I think of texture, because I think of it as different from acne. When I, especially when I'm getting like pitched from different brands, mm-hmm. it's, it's always separated. It's never like, they never like fold acne into it. Acne is its own category, which... I mean, obviously you do have texture when you have acne, but sure. when it comes to texture, I al- I think it also kind of, um, it's a response to like mature aging skin in some ways, like especially now that mm. the beauty industry is being more inclusive and they're trying to cater more so not just to like this small group of women between like 18 and like 25, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think that's where texture is starting to come from because I agree that term has is relatively new. I that wasn't something I was getting in my inbox like four or five years ago. Sure. So I would say pores is probably like the biggest indicator. Like maybe it's like your pores appear larger. Maybe you have like this roughness to your skin. Like you said, bumps. But maybe it's not acne. I don't know what that would be though. What would that be if it's if you have bumpy texture but it's not acne? Well, that can be like closed comedones, clogged pores. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and some and sometimes blackheads can be raised as well. But anything, anything that's not infected. So infection is when something is red and sore, but you can have a blocked pore that's there all the time that's not red and sore, but it's a little bump so basically a little whitehead clogged pore that just kind of sits there all the time okay i have to ask you this this is not um a part of casey's question sorry casey but can you explain sebaceous filaments i have a whole blog post on that so yeah because that and that's interesting too because that's kind of a newer thing right like back certainly you know in the early days of my training like that's not even something we had ever studied and so i don't know why it's kind of more Uh, more so new, but it's, they can look like blackheads, they're little hairs that come out of the blackheads. I mean, technically you treat them the same way as blackheads, but they just have like a little bit of a different uh, look to them. I see them, I think on me, mostly like around the corners of my nose and like 
maybe mm-hmm. the middle of my chin at times. Like, yeah, like that if, little indented part. Yeah, right here. If I am looking in the mirror sometimes and I'm like trying to like see if I have any blackheads or whatever on my nose, sometimes I'll just see. It's almost like it's coming out of the pore. Does that make sense? Or is that something else? Yeah, it's a little like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're a little raised. Yeah, they're raised and it's like a little bit raised. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like they're almost like little flags, like pick me. So I'll get a tweezer and just like literally pull it right out. And it does kind of feel almost like getting a hair, like getting a hair out of a pore, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So they are associated with oil production. So they do show up in areas where, you know, the chin or around the nose, like you said, um, you know, blackheads tend to be a little more dark grayish color where sebaceous filaments can be white or yellowish or the, or the gray. And they tend to, when you squeeze them, they come out like as a thin strand. Yes. Um, you don't see like a blackhead. You'll see kind of, it's kind of more thicker and hardened oil. They're a form of a clogged pore in theory, kind of like a blackhead, but they just, they're thinner. Yeah. They don't have infection like blackheads do for sure. Cool. All right. And then Casey on the same subject of like defining skin concerns, she says, is dryness dehydration? It's a great question, but no, they are different. So dry is lack of oil and dehydration is lack of water. You can be dry and dehydrated, but you can't be oily or and dry, right? So it's like, it's basically, you know, dryness is how much or how little your skin produces with oil and and oily skin people aren't dry because they have already a lot of oil, but anyone can be dehydrated, which is lack of water because the reality is the skin needs a supply both of oil and water and people who, and drinking water has nothing to do with it either. So a lot of people are like, oh, but I drink so much water. Why am I dehydrated? And it's the reality is drinking water is the least efficient way to hydrate the skin. So it's, it's about topical hydration. Wow, wow, wow. Renee, I cannot wait to tell my boyfriend Patrick about this because literally every freaking day I go up to him and I'm like, I'll kiss his forehead and like the sides of his face. And I'm like, you have the softest skin ever. And he's like, it's all that water I'm drinking. And I'm like, no, it's not. Stop saying that, you crazy man. So here's here's the fact about drinking water. Water will run through the intestines. It gets absorbed in your bloodstream and then gets filtered out by the kidneys. So it will hydrate the cells inside the body, but basically to expect it to reach the outside surface layers, which is the epidermis of the skin, it's just not possible. Love that answer. So then, Casey, to answer your question about dryness and dehydration, Renee has an amazing blog post about this. I feel like we just need a banner on our website that's like, go to Renee's (laughs) blog, because she did this video once on Instagram, and then she turned it into a blog post, and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And she will show you what dehydrated skin looks like. Right, right. I have a video of it. Mm -hmm. And it looks so much different than just having dry skin. It's almost like there's a film on your skin. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's a tight, it's a tightness and a shininess. Um, And you can still be oily, you can touch the skin and be oily to the touch. But it's like, it's when you kind of move it, kind of crinkle the skin, it looks kind of a really crinkly and a lot of superficial lines. But But the good news is dehydration is a temporary condition. It's a little harder 
when you don't have oil in the skin to really correct your skin's barrier and kind of retain that oil in the skin. But water is just super easy to topically apply a serum and now you have water in your skin. So it's, it's, it's easy to correct as, as long as long as you're also identifying what is causing it, right? So if you're using bar soap on your face every time you wash, then it doesn't matter how much you apply topically because you're never going to get anywhere if you're using something really drying. We got to talk about maskne because this is now the buzz word of 2020. I think by far this was the most popular question. Danielle just happened to be the one to ask it first on Facebook. So she just said, please help with maskne. You and I talked about this on Facebook, or Facebook, Instagram Live a couple weeks ago, and you had some really great thoughts on maskne, preventing it, like types of masks you should look for, and then what you should be doing for your skin, both while you're wearing the mask and then after. So I definitely have a great blog post on maskne. So if you type in maskne, you'll find it. I mean, so it, it kind of depends because some people are breaking out very little. They're just getting like, one blemish once in a while and normally they never break out and then some people are getting a lot probably the easiest thing to do is is really more so well one is for prevention and then one is treating when you get it so we want to create an environment in the skin i mean when you're wearing a mask you're breathing there's a lot of moisture there um, there's just been a change that the skin is not used to and so i would probably say the easiest thing to do without like doing a whole overhaul of your routine is to switch to like a, a cleanser that has, that's like antimicrobial. So basically at night's end, you take your mask off. When you do your routine, you want something that has some antibacterial properties to it. So, so you can look for like an acne cleanser, but you just have to be careful because you know, if you're only getting breakouts a little bit here and there, you don't want to over dry it. You can also maybe another way to think about it is use the cleanser just maybe lower area of the face, right? And then that way it's not touching around your eyes and dehydrating the skin around the eyes. So you can maybe do one cleanse first with your regular cleanser and then use more of an acne focused cleanser. So that would be an easy, simple change because the goal is just to create more of an environment in the skin where less bacteria is likely to thrive and then therefore you're preventing breakouts. So in my line, like a great product is the rapid response detox cleanser because you can use it all over the face. It um, destroys bacteria, but it's not going to dry you out. So I would say make, making that one change might be enough because again, we don't want to like, you know, go get hysterical here and all of a sudden ditch everything you're using and, and totally turning things upside down. And then another thing is, yeah, having a, you know, investing in one or two spot treatments so that when it does come up, you can, you know, make it go away as quickly as possible. So those would probably be my two best tips. Now, if somebody's getting a ton of acne, then they're going to have to switch over to a few more acne focused products, but keeping your mask clean um, is really important. What I might also suggest is if someone's wearing a mask all day long, I probably would recommend not wearing a sunscreen in that area because you're being protected by the mask you're wearing, but mat, but sunscreen is kind of notorious for clogging the pores and causing breakouts. So you don't really need it if you're wearing a mask because you're being protected. So then that way, all that moist air when you're breathing and friction and all that, there's just less that the skin has to deal with. Totally. And if you're looking for a mask that's good with like not having to deal with a lot of friction, 
I, Sarah and I both co-sign on silk masks. We really like the ones from Night Sleep. They come with filters and they're- Yeah, I heard you talk about that. I looked it up. It looked great. They're super comfortable and they're the ones that like, you can adjust from behind the ears to make them as like tight or as loose as you want. And then there's like a little bar around the nose that you can adjust so it fits like almost perfectly. And I think Sarah and I really like them because mm -hmm. they're the least irritating to deal with when it comes from behind the ear. Cause like one issue I have when I wear masks is like my ears start to hurt because they like are pulling them. Yeah, sure. Well, that's another thing too. Like everyone, that's what I don't like about sheet masks, right? It's like yeah, everyone's yeah. face shape is different and they don't really fit everyone the same way, but same with a mask, right? Like some people have bigger heads and then it hurts behind your ears. <laughs> exactly. So if you guys are looking for a, a mask, we both like night sleep. Okay. So I think that covers maskiny. Really go to Renee's blog because she will lay it out for you like step by step too. We've talked about this a thousand times, but I feel like this is just like a gift that keeps on giving. What are the best products or ingredients to use for an at-home facial? Do you wanna walk us through what you would do for an at-home facial? What I recommend with an at-home facial is basically mimicking what I do in the treatment room. And it's, you know, you cleanse your skin, you wanna um, first use a chemical exfoliator. So um, uh, after you cleanse, the second step is to dissolve and digest the surface dead skin cells. So um, you can do that with uh, wiping uh, acid toner over the face. You can do a leave-on skin peel, like we have our Rene Rouleau Triple Berry Smoothing Peel. Leave that on for 10 minutes. You know, there's enzyme peels out there. I don't, nothing's coming to the top of my mind who makes one, but, um, but basically something that dissolves, digests, and loosens up dead skin cells. Then you rinse that off. Then you want the lifting action. So this is where, when we talked about like physical and chemical exfoliants, then you want to gently massage a facial scrub, something with, you know, biodegradable non-plastic beads is ideal. And then that will lift off the dead skin cells. So when you get two steps of exfoliation, the skin is really prepped to absorb whatever you put on afterward. At that point, you could do some facial steam if you wanted to do that. The, uh, you know, facial steam is benef beneficial for hydration mainly. Um, if you, if you are going to do some extractions at home, it can heat up the oil that's in the hardened oil that's clogged in the pores and help with extractions. I do have a great blog post on how to safely do extractions at home. So you're going to want to, it, it involves plastic wrap and washcloths and all sorts of things. But so you could steam, do extractions the right way, and then serum and mask. So don't use an, don't use an acid serum because you've already just exfoliated, but choose a serum for your skin type sealed in with a mask for your skin type. You know, there's sheet masks, which again, I'm not the hugest fan of because they just don't fit the skin right and they're kind of wasteful uh, for the environment, but clay masks, gel masks, cream masks, bubble masks are a new trend. Leave your mask on for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then rinse off and tone and moisturize and put a little eye cream on and your skin's gonna be glowing. I love that you give people real advice on how to extract safely at home because a lot of times when we interview experts they talk about how important extractions are but then they're like don't do them at home obviously see a professional which of course is the preferred method but like especially now during coronavirus times i think people are like well what do i do now right like i haven't been able to see my esthetician in six months right and i know i'm seeing things that need to come out of my pores so right i i love that you have that on your website because if anybody's going to teach 
how to do it the right way. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to look it up. Oh, it, the blog post is called how to safely extract blackheads and clog pores from your skin. And it's a whole step-by-step DIY removal guide. Love it. Okay. Renee, can you believe we've been talking for 45 minutes at this point? I can't. I feel like it just blew by. Wow, wow, wow. So this is the last question. I almost wanted to respond to this person because I have thoughts, but I obviously want you to answer for her. Um, This is from Diana on Instagram. She wanted to know how to freshen up her skincare or her look after a workout without washing off your sunscreen. So she's worked out. Her skin got sweaty and she doesn't want to wash her face and do her routine. I guess so. So what, she's going out or something, wants her skin to look look nice? Is that I'm I'm gonna assume that this is all the information that she shared. Okay. So if it were me and she wants to I mean, do you think it's to protect your skin from the sun further? Or do you think it's how does her skin look great when she's out in public after working out and doesn't have time to wash her face? Well, this okay, so this is kind of why I wanted to respond to her because when I read this question, how to freshen up after a workout without washing off your sunscreen, if you sweat during a workout, you've already kind of broken up your sunscreen, right? Like right, you, sure, you have yeah. you have to repl- reapply it anyways to like keep that protection. Yeah, yeah. I kind of read it like maybe she was trying to prolong her sunscreen, but maybe what she needs to know is that her sunscreen's already probably been broken up at that point anyways, and she needs to reapply it. So here's what I would do. I would probably, most people sweat a lot on their forehead more than they do on the face. The forehead is the area where it's probably totally off. I would go into the gym bathroom or whatever, or or if you're at home or whatever, and I would just take maybe a few Kleenexes, I would wet them and I would maybe just pat my skin ever so slightly just to remove a little bit of the salt. And then I would put on a powder, like some sort of makeup powder. Um, I always tell this to people that it doesn't need to be one of the SPF ones. Ideally it is, but the problem with the SPF, um, unless I'm, unless I'm wrong, but most SPF powders that are true FDA approved sunscreens, their color range is so limited. And so like you can never kind of match your skin. So regular powder, regular makeup powders, they all have titanium dioxide in it, which is a natural sunscreen ingredient. But the brand, if it doesn't say it has SPF, it's because the brand chose not to market it as a sunscreen, but anything that has titanium dioxide in it is going to protect your skin. Actually, as a matter of fact, this morning, um, I had to run out for a minute. I woke up a little too late. I just threw on my clothes. I didn't have time to wash my face. And I just took, I have some Revlon cheapy powder that I have and, and, and I use it for times like that. So I took like a big brush and I just dusted this powder on my face and I ran out the door. So it's enough that it kind of, keeps me covered until I had time to get home and wash my face and do my whole morning routine. Awesome. And yeah, I was just thinking like, as you were talking through it, I'm like, oh yeah, most powders have the titanium dioxide in them. So yeah, very cool. All right, Renee, we've reached the end of the AMA with Renee. We're going to have to have you back because I know that there's going to be 
many more skincare questions in the future that you'll need to help answer. And everybody listening, seriously, I know that we were like, go to Renee's blog, but seriously, <laughs> like Renee is one of the most diligent people when it comes to her blog. And I, one thing, one thing I love about Renee is a, she texts me to be like, skin check, how you doing? And then she'll send me new blogs that she's posted. And mm -hmm. it really, and it's not only informative, but it really helps you become actionable when it comes to your own skin and helps you to become more empowered when it comes to what you're dealing with with your skin. So head over to her blog, just go to Renee ReneeRouleau.com and then her blog is one of the tabs. You just click it and all of that information is there. And we will go ahead and link all of the relevant blog links on our website as well. So when you go to the show notes and see everything, you can easily just click off to those specific blogs. If you want more from Renee, where can they find you? So our company Instagram and Facebook is Renee Rouleau Skincare. I have a personal Instagram where you'll see things like me doing wilderness training as, as Kirby said and <laughs> jumping off cliffs and Austin swimming, maybe riding my motorcycle and just doing the things I do in my life. But uh, I do talk about skincare a little bit on my own Instagram page. But if you're really a skincare enthusiast, definitely the Renee Rillo skincare page um, is, is definitely the place to be. So amazing everyone you know where to find us we're gloss angeles pod on instagram and twitter go to our website www.glossangelespod.com and if you have any questions or want to send us any feedback we do have a form on the website just click contact us and send away and join our facebook group where all the glam gelinos hang out go to facebook search gloss angeles and join our group you just have to answer two or three questions to get in and you're ready to go to face all of your skincare dreams so thank you all for listening and we will talk to you on friday Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.